disaster when I run away love's running faster every mistake every disaster when I run away love's running faster every mistake every disaster when I What I know now, I would do it all again in a heartbeat. Take those fragile years, all your worry and tears, and put them on me. Oh, I must admit, when I think about what we've come, it was worth the risk, cause it dug us a deeper love. Never in a million years. Did I think I get so lucky? Never in a million years Did I think you'd be mine? And now I can't imagine a life without you And every song that I write's about you Just thought you should know I'll never let you go Oh, 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 
about how we've come to be found in this moment Makes it easy to believe, must be more to you and me, something magic And I must admit that every morning I wake up Either I must be dreaming or I must be lost in love Never in a million years did I think I'd get so Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. I invite you to find your seats and then stand with us. We're going to uh, start by singing. Father God, we have come this morning to praise your name. Lord, we remember all the good things that you have done for us. You have poured out your love upon us. You have saved us. You have set us free. Lord, you have healed us. Lord, you have um, made us new. You did not leave us like we were and you changed us and you continue to change us. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that no matter what has happened, Lord, that you continue to bless us and look after us and protect us. The way you treat us is not dependent upon us. It is dependent upon you, and you are a good God, and we remember that this morning. We just want to praise you for all that you are. We choose to lift your name on high this morning, and we choose to worship you and declare the goodness of God.
this morning that you are a good God, Lord, and we look to you in every single circumstance. Lord, your word doesn't promise that we won't have troubles, but it promises that you will be there and you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. So, Lord, we will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you, God. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on whom I can rely. We just declare this morning that we serve a God on whom we can rely. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do.
and almighty God, a great and a powerful God who is with us every step of the way. Oh, 
holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy is His name. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, there's a day coming when we'll stand with you in heaven and we'll see you face to face. And Lord, we see you only partly now, but the part that we see is good. So we look forward to that day with the greater vision. But Lord, right now with what we see and what we know, we declare you're our God. We love you and you're good. And so we thank you. You are wonderful. You are magnificent. You're majestic. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Welcome to church this fine Sunday. It's good to see you all. There's a crowd here, and if you're new today, or you haven't been for a long time, then you are most welcome. Um, Tony, um, Tony's really good at knowing who all the guests are, and Tony today is up in Mount Morgan, and um, so we'll just keep him in our thoughts. He's up there, and so fortunately, I don't know who you are if you're guests, but you are most welcome. But I did spot... Um, Andrew and Michelle Oakley up the back there earlier. So you are most welcome. They're really, really great people. And um, now Tony, he's got a bit of a challenge this morning because we got a letter from Ergon in the mail this week that said the power will be disconnected at your premises from 10 to 11 a.m. That's like right when church is on. <laughs> so I said to Tony, God bless you. Uh, do your best. <laughs> uh, normally he relies on the CD player for worship, but he'll be doing it a cappella. This morning. <laughs> so, anyway, just ask him how he went. Yeah. Anyway, a few other, a few announcements. Um, family camp is just four weeks away now. It's drawing close. Cherie told me that we still have um, some cabins and powered sites reserved, like the church was able to put a hold on some. So please see her. In particular, we have got a cabin that can take eight people, and it's the one right next to the dining room. So you may be able to share that cabin with another family if you've got two families or um, but please talk to Cherie. we also have a powered campsite right next to the water park um, if you're looking for something you can plug a uh, caravan in or something like that please go talk to Cherie. but we have other sites available as well do it quickly because time is running out now the big news this week is that tomorrow we start our week of listening prayer you all remember that, yes. don't you? You're planning to be a part of that? Yes. Great. Make sure you're a part of that as much as you can be. And um, if you're one of those very, very busy people that just can't spare any time, make sure you spare at least an hour. It'd be great just to have everyone be a part of it in some way. So we'll be starting here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. We'll be sitting down here like we did last year. Um, whoever is uh, responsible for that starting that meeting every morning will turn on the air conditioners so as the day heats up hopefully the building will all, already be cool 
and it should be much more manageable, we hope. Um, so we, we have uh, the expectation that the Lord will speak, and um, when a people gather together and collectively they say to the Lord, we want to know your, your will, the Lord does speak, and the Lord does things, and so we're looking forward to all that will come from that. And I'm going to invite Krista to come. She has an announcement to make. As she is coming, we've been, um, some of you have been on YouTube and you've been seeing the daily Bible videos that have been going up. And um, as of yesterday, we had completed the whole of Genesis. I love preparing those videos. I find out so many interesting things. We started Exodus chapter 1 today. If you're someone that struggles with a daily Bible reading time, this is a way to hear a chapter of the Bible and have a few of my comments on it every day. And um, I've been enjoying preparing them. I'm sure that you will enjoy um, listening to them too. So I just encourage you to do that. I'm going to just share one little quick thing about these Bible videos. You know, we got to Exodus, and we're up to talking about Moses. And two weeks ago, my father mentioned Moses in a scripture from Numbers. And he, re he referenced Numbers chapter 12, how Moses' sister complained about his Ethiopian wife, or the Bible says Cushite wife. Cushites, Cush is Ethiopia. But if you know your Bible, you'll know that Moses' wife, Zipporah, was not from Ethiopia. So what was going on there? Was the Bible wrong? Well, these are all the things you'll find out in my videos. See, the Bible is never wrong, but sometimes the Bible doesn't tell you everything. If the Bible told you everything in the world, it would be a lot bigger book, and it's already a really big book. But it turns out that when you're the prince of Egypt, you get given princesses and wives and all sorts of things because your dad's the pharaoh, and he makes sure you're set up with stuff. So now Moses was previously married to an Ethiopian. Anyway, watch my videos. You'll hear all about it. Krista. Good morning. Um, if you've read the news, the email this week, you'll notice that Women of Peace is starting back up again this year. Yay! Uh, so it'll be next Sunday. Um, it starts officially at 7 o'clock, but uh, from discussions, we can do some tea and coffee. It will just be organised in the appropriate manner. So we will be here from 6.30. So if you want some tea or coffee, you can come along. Um, and have that and then all the official proceedings will start at 7 o'clock and it normally goes till 8 o'clock. So all women who are aged 18 and above are welcome to come along and I encourage you to come along. We hold these once a month from February through to November. So there's only 10 a year and um, we will put out a calendar um, in the coming weeks that will have all those dates for the year listed so you can plan ahead and you know when to come. And they're a great night of fellowship and sharing. So I encourage all the women to come along. Thanks. Thank you. All right, so those are today's announcements, but I'm going to invite Philip to come and he's going to update us on the latest information about the storehouse. So thank you, Philip. Straight part through. Okay, I'm going to do um, yeah a storehouse report. We haven't done one of these over um, the Christmas time, and I'm trying to do this. Um, so a bit of the information will be on the screen anyway. So um, and any questions, ask me later, um, because um, we're, we're also trying to do this a bit discreetly as well. So we'll see how we go. Um, so 
you can see um, the opening balance is up. That was at the end of December. And I actually noticed, though, that we also have a heap of new people around in the, in the last few months. And we started the storehouse, I think, November 2019. So what we're going to do, we'd, I'm not sure we have the time today, but maybe in a week or two, we, we might do another 10 or 15 minutes on, on what this storehouse is and how we contribute it and, and the purpose. And um, that's great. But at the moment, that's where we sit. And, and a lot of people in peace give sustainable gifts to this every single week uh, for, for our own building, the renovation of our building, but also... Uh, mission and the poor overseas. Um, the areas in blue are, is money that um, we'll never ever spend. We'll just use that for investing and then we'll, we'll spend the returns from that. But the green money is the money that we, we can spend and we do spend monthly and they're the balances of that as of the end of December. So um, that's the income over the last couple of months. As you can see um, over the Christmas period it, it dipped down a bit and but January we're um, back, back to our normal um, averages there so that, that's really pleasing and like I said when we talk about it in future weeks we're trying to encourage everyone in peace to just give those little five and ten dollar amounts a week to, to contribute towards the poor so uh, we sent some money over to Cambodia in, um, in January and um, this our, our um, monthly bill for Cambodia for those um, children over there is about just over $2,000. It's about $1,600 US. And, um, and most months we get pretty close to that, as well as saving and investing some money. So our first goal is really to um, you know, fulfill that money that we send to Cambodia for those children, um, who, you know, the orphans over there. And the exciting bit is, is once we fulfill that goal, uh, you know, we'll be looking for further projects. But the Cambodian children is one that we've had for 20 or 25 years, and it's our stage one goal of this storehouse to, you know, to fund that every single month. And then um, once we get that, we'll be, it'll be exciting looking for projects, both, you know, both overseas but locally too in our own city. You know, things that, everything we want to do now, we want to do sustainably. So you know, we might start small, but it's in view of um, you know, not ever stopping. A bit like the storehouse, we're starting small, but it's, it's a long-term view. And we'll be there, you know, helping our region and helping overseas for years to come. So there's a quick summary of the month of January, where we started, what came in, a bit of earnings so far, uh, the money we sent to overseas, and the balance at the end of January. So, and there's uh, the summary that's split in between um, the the blue part is, oh, well, I used to call it frozen funds, but... A, that's not a great word. We call that, um, you know, that's our storehouse. That's our funds that we're saving and investing for the future. And, and the green's the money we can use right now. So we are, um, you'll be all pleased to know that I've been talking to Jamie Miller. And we're, we're trying, to, been trying to arrange the right lights for this. Because when we put the original lights through here, the house lights, they were, um, um, you know, a bit, they don't like the heat, put it that way. And when the, when the, when the building heats up, they slowly go one by one. But under our new theory of uh, do it once, do it well, um, we're going to get some really good lights and um, hopefully in on Friday is the plan. Is that right? And then, and then we can, hopefully, we'll see what happens. And then we can see each other again. You know, that'd be really good. <laughs> and, and that's the split up between, um, of that same amount of money, but that's how it's split up between what we've got invested currently and um, what's in the bank. So I will give you heaps more info on 
investment, what we're doing with the storehouse, the plan over 100, 200, 300 years. You know, that, like we spoke about a year and a half ago, but we realise we've got heaps of new people around. So anyway, there's a summary of it. Any questions, feel free to ask. If you want to contribute, please do come and see me or Shree. Um, that's good. Now, we can turn that off. And I'm also in charge of uh, the birthdays today. So we have two birthdays today. It's pretty exciting. Um, and that is Nathan Appleton. I'll just do... It's Mrs. Perisaz's birthday. Well, we'll, go, we'll do Nathan's first. Go on, mate. Anyway, I, I've always liked Nathan because um, years ago I bought a new ute for my business. Uh, happy birthday, mate. Can I guess your age? Eight. Eight. Oh, that's what, it was going to be my guess, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a ute and it had cat... Um, Mud flap, you know, mud flaps, and they weren't Toyota ones, they had cat on them, you know, like the brand. And he just told me how much he loved that ute. But I guess it was the cat mud flaps, anyway. He's been my favorite Appleton ever since, <laughs> anyway. Okay, now uh, it's also Mrs. Persas's birthday today. <laughs> and someone got you a, a great, I'll come to you. Sorry, I'll get out of camera. Someone got you a great gift, so have a great day, hey? Hello. No worries. Okay, and this week on tomorrow the 22nd, it is Kate Payne's birthday. On Friday, it is Sally Maxwell's birthday. Happy birthday, Sally. And on 27th, it's, it's uh, Steve Priddle's birthday. But most important of all, on Thursday, it's my birthday. Woo! And, and um, I've been instructed by Jacob because it's 42 and, you know, nothing much is happening and I think Christy's out all night. And Jacob said, you just remind your wife that 42 is double 21. I said, yes. So double 21, whatever you did, double it up. <laughs> it's too, too long ago to remember, but <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm done. So uh, can I please get the band, band back? Is that right? Yeah. And um, I'm trying to work out who I'm going to get to pray for offering because when I asked David Hood last week, I got a bit of an evil look. And I, and I didn't know if it was because you were unprepared or it was the COVID thing, you know, just handing over the mic. The COVID. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, I'll, I'll pray, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we are a grateful people. And, um, you know, as we meet today on Sunday, the Lord's Day, we are so, um, so thankful that we can remember all that you've done for us specifically your resurrection but lord it's it's not just the resurrection we remember how you you came to earth and you you suffered for us you died for our sins you rose from the dead so you're alive uh, and lord even better you ascended and you're king of lord king and lord of heaven and earth lord of all name above every other name and lord that is the most wonderful thing you know that all those things are wonderful but the fact that you're ruling and reigning and in charge of our lives in this world right now. We're so, so thankful for that, so appreciative. And Lord, we, um, we bring our tithes, we return our tithes in honour of that lordship in our lives. We bring our offerings and thanks for all you do. And Lord, Lord, I ask today that you'd bless the people of peace, you'd bless our visitors, bless our extended family. Lord, we, we pray every week that joy and salvation would be in our households. And Lord, we, we do pray for our extended families. Lord, let salvation come to their hearts. And Lord, I ask you to put your peace upon 
upon our families. Protect us and provide for us. Amen. We're just going to sing another song, so I invite you to stand. Father, I thank you that you have always watched over us as your people. You've watched over this church and you've watched over our families. You've watched over our individual lives. And I thank you, Lord, that every one of us who knows you 
has such a testimony, such an experience of the years of your faithfulness. And in so many ways have you turned up for each of us and for everything that we are aware that you've done for us, there's a thousand things you've done we're not aware of for each one of us. We thank you today and acknowledge you're the shepherd of our souls and uh, you are the, the watch over our lives and over this church. We thank you for the church. And I bless this church today in Jesus' name and, and all its members. And now we invite the, the Spirit of the Lord to rest upon these proceedings, to rest upon the Word of God as it is declared today and the prayers that we pray. And grant that today our eyes would be open, our hearts understanding, to perceive the ways of God and to walk in them. Bless your people. May the spirit of understanding and of wisdom and of counsel and of power and of the fear of the Lord rest upon our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, please be seated and so glad to see you all. And as announced, uh, today has in it an official component with respect to the the induction or the installation of David Alley as senior pastor of Peace Apostolic Community. Now, it's not that this wasn't declared two years ago and uh, at about this time, and and it's not that David hasn't been functioning practically as as the senior pastor he has. That's been the position he's been fulfilling, and we've all known that. But there was never a time at which we we stopped and kind of officially... uh, laid hands on him and declared that it was so. It's like you, there's something in the spirit realm to be finished off. It's a process that needs the, the icing on the cake. And uh, so that's, uh, that's my task in the next little while and then David will come and we'll pray for him and we'll, um, he'll speak to us for a few moments. Now last uh, Sunday I shared with you how it is God who raises leaders. Scripture is very clear the Lord always raises leaders for his people. There's never a time he's not raising leaders. It's really, it's really historically the big thing the Lord does. And what I showed you from the scriptures that is that whenever the Lord raises leaders for his people, no matter what the position is, full-time, part-time, other time, there's always a shepherding aspect to it. In other words, leaders are shepherds and shepherds are leaders. It doesn't matter what your calling or your gifts are. Christian leadership is tremendously important. You, you can't build a family. You know, a, a good family always must have a good family home. There has to be a sense of authority and of structure. There has to be a lot of discipline and a lot of love in a, in a good family home. There must be leadership and there must, there must be an understood sense of authority and direction and leadership in a family. And it's true that nothing in this world survives or survives very long without the right structures in place. And the Lord himself has appointed the structures for the church. In fact, the scripture says that God has set in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, workers of miracles. Perhaps more of you should be praying to to be the Lord's workers of miracles. And uh, that's meant to be a very important part of the church and something I took up at a young age. and, And fortunately, that's been a huge blessing too. But it's the Lord who chooses the leaders he wants, he, he appoints them where he wants, he equips them, that is he trains them and as you would appreciate this is a long process for him. Uh, he's never impatient about it, he takes the long view, 
He's always working at this business of raising leaders, positioning leaders, and he does it for the sake of the whole body. We all need people. It doesn't matter how old we are in the faith. It doesn't matter how mature we are. It doesn't matter what position we might have ended up in. We might have been appointed a leader by the Lord and and attained to some really important responsibility, but you still need someone over you in the Lord. There's never a time when we don't need to acknowledge, you know, and, and to enjoy and to appreciate and really submit to the structures that the Lord gives to us. And of course, when he gives us leaders, and I've always acknowledged leaders, I, you know, I've, I've gone about the world teaching the restoration of apostles, but at the same time teaching that apostle, every apostle is meant to be a son to a father. I teach this all over the world. And I always get well listened to, even though I don't get well obeyed. Because <laughs> I'm often on platforms with guys as old as me. And, uh, and I'm trying to say to them, every one of you needs to be a son to a father. And this is the way the body of Christ is meant to be structured, and it's the safest way. It's, it's the purest way with respect to heart. Every one of us, every one of us needs to know who is over us in the Lord. We love them. We receive them. We honor them. We cooperate with them. We thank God for the leaders he gives. Now, the interesting thing is, I, as I look back on it, um, it really is the Lord who chooses and appoints. So I think of the, the few people in particular that come to mind. For example, it was never, it was never ever my idea that David Alley would be a pastor. It was a complete surprise to me. I mean, had I thought about it, I would have thought, yeah, I'd like all my kids to be either an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But I never did anything about it except, you know, I was too busy in the ministry. But one morning David comes out, he's 19 years old, and he said to me, Dad, you know, the Lord came to me in my bedroom this morning and, and appointed me a pastor. Well, it was a big surprise to me. He said, and he's made me the pastor of Mount Morgan. And I said, well, well we've got a problem there. I said, we already got a pastor of Mount Morgan. I said, but, but still, you can be his assistant. Within 24 hours, that, that fellow came in and quit. So I said, well, David, you got the job. It was the Lord appointing. It was the same with Alex, you know. It was 6 a.m. I was sitting at home and having a cup of tea and about to have a prayer time. And I heard the Lord say concerning Alex, it's time to send him out. The, the, Lord, the Lord called him. The Lord appointed him. I remember way back in the 1990s, the late 90s, uh, we, we were having church one morning. Uh, word of the Lord came to me that Lloyd Gill would be the first apostle that this congregation would send out. And uh, I, I declared it publicly. Some years later, guess what? But I didn't make it happen. No, something came up, Lloyd was needed, we sent him off to do the job, and suddenly I thought, oh, well look at that. No, it is the Lord who calls and appoints. And I remember when I was f- profoundly converted at the age of 15, the Spirit of God took a hold of me, I didn't even know I wasn't saved, but then I was so converted. But my instant knowledge was, I was, I was called to preach this word. I was, I was called to the ministry. Knew that straight away. No, it is the sovereign God who chooses and so on. And, and so I just wanted to show you two or three scriptures that have in it this word appointed because this is the thing I want everyone to get their head around today. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 and chapter 5, 7. Uh, Jack, uh, yeah, there we go. Look at that. Now, in, in these next three scriptures, I want you to look for the word appointed that is in the passage. Here's Paul writing... He says, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 
Take a look now at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 14. A slightly longer passage, but worth reading it. Get the gist of the passage. He writes to Timothy, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And now Paul gives this little advice to Timothy, which we give to every preacher. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to us. Of this, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16, he says, if I preach the gospel... That gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He says, if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. When the call of God comes to someone like this, the Lord lays his hands in them and positions them and appoints them. No, there's a responsibility. There's a stewardship. We're meant not to deny the one who calls us. We're meant to find delight in his will. And the interesting thing about the pastoral ministry is if you, if you don't have the anointing for it or the calling for it, it's a, it's a difficult and uncomfortable life. And in fact, most do you know that most people who are ministers and who are very fruitful in it, most of them will tell you they tried to avoid it and tried to run away from the call They never wanted to be a pastor. But the Lord would insist and he'd position them. But what you find is that when the grace and the anointing for it is upon you, nothing else satisfies. There's always a sense of loss and of lack and of being in the wrong place when that calling is on you. It's hugely important that um, we not only remain sensitive to the Spirit, but, but respond. Anyway... Here's a, here's a little line about Jesus from Hebrews 3. Again, a very important scripture. It says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Now, that reference to calling there, by the way, is to all of us. All of us have the heavenly calling. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. So even in the case of the Lord Jesus, there was a sense of he appointed to a task. So it's not that we don't all have the calling. We do. We're all called heavenward in Christ Jesus. But with respect to the practicality of life, each of us will be appointed to certain tasks and to flourish in the use of our giftedness. And as the scripture says, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And these are the ones that he appoints to be the, you know, the senior leaders of the house of God. I remember when some years ago I prayed for Philip with respect to his 
ordination to the ministry, a scripture that the Lord gave me very specifically for, to, to, to declare on that day concerning him, was John 15 verse 16. And it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Uh, have you got this one, Jack? John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Of course, this scripture is actually spoken to every believer. But I remember emphasizing on the day the Lord was saying concerning Philip, I chose you and appointed you. And uh, here is 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 2. And I remember sharing this concerning Alex when we ordained Alex here once, and then I went down to Adelaide and we inducted him into the church there. This was one of the scriptures I used on that occasion. And it speaks again of those that the Lord appoints, whether apostles, prophets, teachers. Paul wrote of them, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Yes, there's something about, there's something about being appointed to the ministry of the word. That is, you're, you're specifically appointed to be apostles or prophets or teachers or pastors. You are given a trust in which you're meant to, to guard the real truth with respect to the faith and the message of Christ. That's what Paul writes. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. If you're not sure what steward means, in, um, in, a steward was a slave, a love slave, um, effectively a slave for life by choice, but a, a, a steward specifically was the slave that was in charge of a master's entire household. So in other words, you're responsible for all the management of the house you're responsible for all the other staff and the care of the family. And this is very much a truth with respect to the fivefold ministry you made stewards. And look at verse 2 of there. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. So now we come then to a couple of things that Paul had to say to Timothy. In fact, there's so much wealth in the scripture you can't just bring it out on an occasion like this. But um, just a couple of things. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Now the things that Timothy was meant to flee are things that are in the verses before. Paul's talked about various things and said, flee them. But now he's going to list the things that the minister of Christ, and we're thinking of David today, should pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. And here's the command, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession. And then he gives this charge to Timothy and likewise we, we recognize this charge has been given to David. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honour 
and eternal dominion forever. Um, David, I'm going to ask you if you'd come and stand with me here. Just one or two more simple things I, I want to say about the significance of this call and, and say them to you. Uh, David, of course, has already been in the ministry a long time. If Philip is 42, then David is pressing 44, right? Come May. And um, you've been ministering as a pastor since you were 19 years old. And uh, when I turned 60, I had realized I, I must make way for another generation. Not in, not in terms, I mean, I wasn't going to quit and retire. I, I don't no, I will have responsibility in the Lord effectively till the day I die at, at whatever level I can. And right now I'm, I'm more committed and in fact more obligated, have more responsibility than I ever had before. And especially with respect to writing literature and being in touch with sons and daughters all over the world. And, and from this time, you know, um, still, still the senior minister of of the apostolic ministry and therefore guarding David's back, guarding the other staff. Uh, you know, being in the background, not hands on running the church, but still being part of the house. Uh, so um, I'm not disappearing off the scene at all, but when I became 60 and I'm 68 now, I knew that we had to raise another generation of leaders or if we waited 10 years, it was too late. It, it would be too late and that a generation of leaders would not become the leaders and the preachers they were meant to be. And uh, so there, there had to be this stepping back and letting others rise. You become the, the coach of the team, not the captain of the team. You, you throw the football to someone else to throw around, but you help to give instruction and direction. That's what had to happen. And yet as, and I, I interviewed various people, numbers of leaders in the church as to how they saw the future and who they saw as being, you know, who is it amongst us that has the calling and the anointing to be this kind of leader for the future? And uh, I always felt that David was meant to be an apostle and would take over the apostolic ministry worldwide. But I, I had my eye on Philip being the senior pastor of the church because of his capacity to, to build organization and to train men and women and create new ministries, you know, he's a lot, a lot of capacity. I thought, well, he'd be the ideal on the local scene. And so for some years, I worked to that end. And everybody knew that. But um, as I said, it's the Lord who appoints. So even though I was going to appoint Philip, out of the blue, the Lord appointed David. <laughs> so that's a very interesting thing to me. And uh, it was that Philip himself one day, Alex and Philip met and they were talking in Adelaide and I don't know what Alex was talking about really in terms of the ministry, but Philip came back thinking that David ought to be the senior pastor and that he ought to stand alongside him to help him be really successful, just like Michael is the principal in the school, but Philip stands alongside of him to help make Michael successful. And uh, I, when it was first put to me, you know, change, you don't always grab change the moment you hear it. You think, oh, I don't know this, and I... And at the time, this was in a meeting with David Hood and Tony Bonnicky, and um, well, David wasn't there. Philip was there telling us all this, and my first take was, oh, I don't know. And I gave them all the reasons why I thought it should be the other way. But you know, the very next week, the Lord made David the, the, 
the, the leader of Rockhampton Churches together and a week or two later he, it was a unanimous vote by the pastors of Rockhampton to make him the leader of the pastors. And it's like the Spirit of the Lord was putting this witness on David one week after another. And uh, as I thought about it more, I, I thought, no, that's what the Lord wants. And so we shifted. Thank God we're able to hear the Lord, right? Thank God we do hear the Lord. And this is why we pray to, to, to get it right. So David, just come up here. Stand a bit, bit closer. <laughs> so Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that, I, I like this, so that all may see your progress. And, and actually, we've seen a lot of progress these two years, haven't we? Um, we have. In fact, um, Alex came up recently and he was, he was overjoyed, surprised at the progress he saw in, in your sense of authority and measure. And praise God for that. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. This one's always been important to me. Persist in this. Persist in what? In what? Watching your own life and the teaching. So that by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I've always been aware of that. Minister the word of God. It, it, it does have a very important outworking in the lives of people. Paul writes to Timothy in the next letter, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1-2. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And we're saying to you today, David, that this authority is given you. This, this stewardship is passed to you. It's placed upon you by the Spirit of the living God. And friends, this is holy ground. It is such holy ground. I, um, I know from experience in having been to other places and having to induct other pastors and lay hands on people and ordain, uh, the, the sense in the Holy Spirit of how holy, holy, holy is that ground you stand on. This, this business, even in a tiny little church with a little handful of people, but this, this whole business of who the Lord would appoint as pastor is, is such holy ground. It, it, if, when you see it, as I have done twice, it catches your breath away. It, it is so holy unto the Lord. And so um, this is why, David, we say to you that this, uh, this stewardship is yours. And Paul, moreover, said to Timothy, just three verses later, he said, As for you, always be sober-minded, because this is stuff you never have to say to David, right? Uh, it's, it's in him already. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And if I know of, of all the people I've known in life, that, you know, there's, there's lots of people who these words are true of, but, but I don't know of anyone that they're more true of you. I'm not saying there's more true of you than others, but these words are as true of you as anyone I've known. Sober-minded, willingly enduring suffering does the work of an evangelist with all his heart fulfills the ministry. Well, I thank God for you, David. In a moment, we're going to pray for you. I have just uh, two brief verses to share. 
and these are not for David. First of all, to all our leaders. Now, so this, I speak this word now to David Hood and to Tony Ponicky and to Philip and to our house church leaders and to our worship leaders and to anyone else in the church that has any responsibility at all. Here is Paul's word. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. This is Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit's made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. And then to all our people, to all the members of the church, and, and as a word in the spirit realm that, that rests and sits upon the spirit of the church and, and helps to create a you know, truly holy and Christian and genuinely Holy Spirit anointed culture, I, I bring up again for you all the verse that we spoke of last Sunday, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 12 and 13. And uh, this is from the King James Version. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So, um, David, I'm, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to you know, invite one or two others, volunteers, if they'd like to add to my prayers. Um, Tony's not here, but I wonder, David, if you'd come stand here with me. And Philip, if you'd come as, uh, as the ministry staff of the church. There's, uh, there's five of us in this team. And uh, so just stand with us while I pray for David. And, um, and then there may be one or two others who feel, who feel within. Uh, um, just, just a grace by which you'd like to speak a prayer. We'll, we'll find that roving mic somewhere and uh, receive your prayer in a moment too. Oh, you've, you've got it, Philip. Just, um, you just have that ready. Switch it on and uh, I'll, I'll grab that if it's ready to go. Thank you very much. We've got green lights on here? No. Hmm? Okay. Let's, let's stand together, shall we? And... Um, we stand in the presence of the Lord, the living God. And as we stand here together, my sense that this is not unlike Moses standing before the burning bush. The Lord gave to Moses an appointment he did not want, but absolutely insisted that he take it. And, uh, the ways of God, you know, astounding. And so here we are, it's holy ground. And um, as if we're standing on the, the sands of the desert before that bush, but God speaks. We're in his presence and it's holy. The truth is, of course, we're standing on Mount Zion. Friends, I don't know whether you understand the scriptures in this respect or not, or even your own spirituality, but according to the Bible, you and I right now stand on Mount Zion. This is the church of the living God, the church of the firstborn. We've been, we're amongst innumerable angels in holy assembly. We've come to the new Jerusalem, 
This is the mountain of the Lord. And Father, today I thank you that we together as a people stand in that holy place. And we acknowledge that you've chosen each one of us for salvation in Christ Jesus and we place our faith in the living God. You've also chosen us, every one, that we might be fruitful under Christ. But I thank you, Lord, you also lay the burden of leadership upon those that you wish to, to lead your people in and out, just as you said you did of Moses and of Joshua. And so this, this call has come to David, this burden for anointed leadership to lead your people, that your people might find victory and that your people might remain in the spirit of prayer and in the fear of the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that all of this grace is in David and, and so you've, you've anointed him for this purpose. And today, in the presence of God and before his holy people, and before innumerable angels, we declare that you have so called David and, and chosen him and positioned him and you have made him to be the, the senior pastor of this congregation. And I thank you, Lord, it's our privilege to help him in that work. And not only will he grow, but we all grow. I thank you this church will grow. It will prosper because of your goodness. Now we pray today and ask that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon David, that you would anoint him with all the anointings needed for the ministry. Equip him, O Lord, with every ability and grace and gift. Holy Spirit, come upon him now. I bless him in Jesus' name. And we lay holy hands upon him. Lord, you, you've said in your word with respect to the elders of the church, lay hands on no man suddenly. But here is someone who's been in the ministry 25 years and whom we've all known a long time and who, have, who has ministered to us out of much love and plus such a deep heart with respect to the word of God and prayer. So we thank you that you've given us such a one and today I lay my hands upon him and bless him for this task in Jesus' name. We appoint him to it, the leadership of the congregation and we give our hearts to him also and now Holy Spirit take hold of him and, and fill him with great peace in this. May there be a, such a deep sense of wisdom knowing what to do. And I pray that the authority of Christ would continue to build in him. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I place upon him that authority, the authority of a fivefold call, the authority of, of serving Jesus by leading his people. We lay hands upon you, David, and bless you for this purpose. We set you apart and, and we pray for your family, for Marie, who's not here today because so unwell the, the, this weekend. And your, and your children, all of them, we bless them in Jesus' name. We bless Marie. Let the arms of the Lord be about them all and lift them up to help you and stand with you in the ministry of grace, the ministry of Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayers. And, uh, Lord, we're in your hands. And thank you. This is a week of listening prayer. We shall sit in your presence and and wait for you and listen for your voice. We thank you for such a privilege, no greater privilege than to sit in your presence. Begin to lead all the more. 
and bring this whole congregation into a far greater community than we've known in the past. I thank you, Lord. It's been a huge blessing in the past, unique. But now we seek the greater good, the greater anointing, and believe the hand of the Lord will be generous with so many gifts. Thank you that you hear our prayers. And so we bless David this day. We bless the church of Christ this day. And thankful, Lord, for all that you have done for us. There was the one or two that would like to add a few words of prayer, either for David or for the church or for the leading of the Spirit, just however you feel. Father, we acknowledge that you call and you raise up. And according to your word, Lord, you give grace. We thank you for David. Thank you, Lord, for all the years of his faithfulness, his service, his commitment. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've deposited upon him for this task. But we also acknowledge that your word speaks of an abundant grace, an increasing grace. And we ask for him in these coming days that by your spirit you'll pour out upon him increase. Lord, wisdom, understanding. Lord, the counsel of the spirit of God. Lord, that in all things and at all times, as your word says, he'll have all that he needs to lead the people. Lord, to bring forth your word in power and truth. Lord, I agree with the prayers for protection, Lord, about him, his uh, personal being and his mind and his uh, health and strength and upon his family. Lord, we commit David to you in this ministry and we ask, Lord, that you would breathe upon it and cause it to be increasingly fruitful to your honour and to your glory, Lord. Yes, Lord. David, I'll just stand as a representative of the, of the congregation and say that we receive you in this role and uh, I just pray that the grace of God would be upon us to stand with you and that together the, the body would be built up in this area and so I just bless you now in Jesus' name. Mm. Yes, amen. <clears throat> Any final word? Okay. You've got the last word, Marin. <laughs> Father, every day we ask that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for raising up David to be an apostle, to be your vessel, Father. Father, we thank you for the gentleness of his heart, Father. We thank you for the love that's in his heart for you and for others, Father. Father, we thank you that this man is so precious, so precious to the body. He's so precious to us, Father. We just praise you and thank you, Father, for his humble heart, Father. We thank you and praise you, Father, that your eyes upon him. We thank you, Father, that you're not too far away from him, Father. And we thank you, Father, for listening to him, Father. And we thank you, Father, that you are with him, Father. 
every day, every moment, Father. We just praise you and thank you, Father. And Father, I uphold Marie to you, Father, because she's on this journey too, Father. And we praise you, Father, for her, Father. We thank you for her children, Father. All of their children, Father. And we just thank you, Father, for such a blessing that they are to the body, Father. Such a blessing. And we thank you, Father, that you have truly indeed blessed this church. And you have blessed our city. You've blessed our region. You've blessed this country, Father. And we thank you and praise you for this family, Father. And we thank you for David Allen, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yes, amen. Amen. Thank you, Maren. Please be seated, everyone. Thank you, Maren. And um, David will now have a few words and then lead us at the table of the Lord. Thank you, David. Just be one sec. My paper. Thank you. You got your notes, David? Yep. You know, sometimes on Sunday you turn up and you forget your Bible, forget your notes, you forget your glasses, you're going to preach anyway. <laughs> well, it does happen. I, I preach plenty of times without notes. That's when all the most interesting stories come out. <laughs> but I'm trying to do better these days and stay on track and um, not to distract you all and keep you focused on the Bible, the Word of God. Um, I've been a part of this church since I was 10, and I've always loved being a part of peace. And um, I don't have lots of memories of, I mean, I do have plenty of memories, but you know, that that was a long time ago. (laughs) I can remember one night, Sunday night at peace, I swallowed my offering. And um, it, it hurt, 10 cent coin going down the throat. And Denise Hill patted me on the back and said, there, there, you'll get it back later. So. Good old Denise. Every time I see Denise, she goes to the Baptist church. Every time I see her, it reminds me of that. And uh, anyway, it's, it's been a great church to be a part of. I've got some even more weird stories than that when I was a kid. But uh, I remember fighting with Andrew Jones, you know, Pam and Elwin's son, Andrew, having a, an altercation in the car park. You know, we all, we all come from somewhere, don't we? And even when you grow up in the church, you, you start and you've got to learn and grow. Everyone does. And you never stop learning and growing. And um, anyway, I'm just grateful to be here and to have been a part of everything God has done. And I'm always mindful of the fact that we're pretty ordinary people. And um, people around the world, they say these nice things about us. But you go home and, and you realise how ordinary you are because you didn't do the dishes the night before and there's the chicken bones on the sink or whatever, you know. It's my job to do the dishes, by the way. And so you, you realise on one hand the Lord works through you, but on the other hand you're very ordinary. In fact, the Lord probably chooses you because you're very ordinary. Because when people think they're something, they kind of just are not available. The Lord just can't use people who think they're something special. And um, so we're called, but it's, it's a real indication that we're not that good. In fact, God likes to demonstrate how good he is, so he needs to pick the crummiest people to demonstrate his ability through. So that's us. But thank God, 
he is able to demonstrate his great abilities through ordinary people. So that's what's so humbling about it all, is you look back and you realise, look at all that God has done, and you know it had nothing to do with you. The only thing was that you were willing to let him do something with you. So thank God for that. When I was in grade 11 at high school, uh, we had a teacher, Father Handley. So Emmaus was a Catholic high school, and some of the teachers had been brothers or, or um, sisters you know, in various Catholic orders, but this gentleman had actually been a priest. He'd retired and got married, but he was teaching. And this one day in class, he said to the, to the class, he said, I want you all to imagine if God could speak. He was acting like God couldn't speak. But, he, but you know, a lot of students in a lot of people growing up don't think that God can speak. So he was, he was a very clever teacher. He just bypassed everybody's reasoning and got God to speak to them all. He said, I want you all to imagine if God could speak, what would he say to you? And he said, everyone be silent for a minute and just think, what would God say to you? And it's amazing. The whole class heard the words of the Lord spoken to them. And um, some of the students there, some of the wildest kids, they were saying things like, God loves me. Incredible. And, um, but I heard the Lord say, feed my sheep. And um, I, I knew the Lord had spoken to me. And this was before we'd had the breakthrough in listening prayer. So as a church, we, we didn't have the practice of listening prayer like we do now. But I knew the Lord had spoken to me. And Father Handley knew it too. Because he had a funny look on his face like that wasn't expected. He, you know, he hadn't, and Father Handley, as a, as a Catholic priest, he knew what that phrase meant. That phrase comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, 15 to 22. And that's where Peter had you know, betrayed Jesus, or denied Jesus, not betrayed him, and then Jesus was restoring him by saying, do you love me? And Peter would say, yes, I do. And then Jesus would say to him three times, feed my sheep. So Jesus was saying to Peter, you've done, you've done the wrong thing and you've made mistakes, but now I want you to serve me and feed my sheep. So when I said that to Father Handley, he knew that the Lord was calling me to serve him. He knew that. I didn't really know it the same way he knew it at the time. And if you think about it, if you were going to be silent and imagine that question, what would God say to me if God could speak? That's probably not something you would make up. You know, the average person isn't going to make up something like that. They are, if they were going to make something up, let's say God didn't speak to them and they just concocted something in their imagination, they would be more likely to think of something like God loves me or something they'd heard in the Bible, or they'd think, oh yeah, God would say that. But I think that that demonstrates in hindsight that God really did speak to me. It's not the type of thing you would make up. But in the moment, I actually knew that God spoke to me. Sometimes people ask that question. They say, how do you know if God has spoken to you or not? Well, sometimes you wonder about it. You have a thought and you wonder, is that the Lord or is that not the Lord or is that me? But there are times when you, you, you do know it's the Lord and you can't always explain how you know. It's a bit like sometimes when you hear a voice in another room and you just know it's your wife or you just know it's so, someone you know really well, you just know it's them. Well, sometimes the Lord speaks and you just know it's him. You just do. You can't prove it to anyone else, but it's sure been proved to you. And I knew it was the Lord. So the Lord told me to feed his sheep. And that was three years before I became a pastor. And I didn't immediately think, oh, the Lord wants me to be a pastor. I better go out and make that happen. That never occurred to me. I just thought, well, one day I'll 
the Lord wants me to be a pastor and, and I just relaxed with that idea and it was the Lord that brought it about. In fact, I didn't want to preach at all. I, I didn't like preaching. I remember the agony with which I used to preach all my early sermons, the agony in preparing them, then the, the even greater agony of standing up in front of people and having to say things which probably sounded really bad. And I have my first ever sermon recorded, which I've never been brave enough to listen to, but I have it to remind me of how bad I know I was. I don't have to listen to it again to know I was bad. It went for four minutes. That was, there was a half an hour slot in the service that day for that four minutes. And Pastor Mark Chamberlain from Grace Me Baptist said to me afterwards, he said, you did great. And I knew he was lying. He was just trying to encourage me because Pastor Mark was always such a great encourager. He's still a great encourager. Pastor Mark um, also goes to Rocky Baptist. And um, a, really, a really good brother. Anyway, he was encouraging me, but I knew that it was just, it's all you can say when you've just shortened the service up by 26 minutes. And everyone else was just happy it was over and they got their morning tea. So, and in all, you know, that was probably the good thing about having no one in the church in Mount Morgan for that first year, practically, was no one had to listen to my sermons. I just got to preach to, you know, the few volunteers that came up from Rocky and they all just, you know, grinned and bared it. But, you know, you get better if you practice at things. And the only reason I persevered was because it was, it was what the Lord wanted. And I knew it was what the Lord wanted. I was absolutely convinced of it. So hopefully I've improved a bit as time has gone along. And um, there's three things I want to just share with you this morning that come out of that scripture, John 21, where the Lord said, feed my sheep. So there's just three thoughts related to that that I will share with you right now. The first thought has to do with the question, what is feeding God's sheep? Well, it's helping God's people. Sheep are God's people. And as a pastor, you're a sheep and a shepherd. You're both. You're, you're, you need feeding as well. And that's why you are in relationship with other people and you learn from them as well. But sheep are God's people. And so feeding them means helping them to understand, guiding them in their walk with the Lord, teaching them what the scriptures say. So that's what feeding God's sheep is, and it's, it's a responsibility that's given to some people. Um, well, at least it's given to some people in a significant way, you know, in the sense that they might stand up the front and actually preach. But my second point is similar to that, and that is that God calls everyone to be a shepherd in their own way as well. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that we're all priests, it says we're a royal priesthood and it says we're, we're a holy priesthood in another place. And so in one sense, you know, there are certain people who are called into this special role of being preachers. But in another sense, you're all called to feed sheep as well. So the Lord may specifically tell people to feed his sheep, but you're all also called to at least feed some sheep. And if you think about it, if you're in a family and you've got children, you've got right there in your own house some sheep. Little sheep that need to be fed. Sure, they need to be fed, you know, in, in practical ways like taking them to school and learning maths and, and all the things you do as a parent to, to make them able to take care of themselves in the world. But how terrible to be able to take care of yourselves in the world and then die and find out you were not equipped for the real life to come, which is 
which is the actual life itself. You know, this life just being kind of like, uh, it's, it's almost like the test run. It's, it's, the, it's the, the 1% or less. It's way less than 1%. And such a shame to be prepared for this life and to be unprepared for the next. And as parents, you have at least those few sheep to feed. That's your responsibility. But the Lord doesn't only give you those few sheep, your own children. The Lord also gives to you other people in your life who are around you, and usually there's several of them that you're closer to, and you watch over them. You may not be a pastor to them like a pastor who stands up the front, but you're a pastor to them in another way, someone who loves, who cares, a brother or a sister in the Lord, someone who watches over them, and you help them to grow. So even though some people are called to feed sheep specifically, you are still called to feed at least some sheep. And there are certainly people in your life that don't even know the Lord at all. They're not sheep yet. So you're called to create sheep. That's what sheep do, don't they? They reproduce and make more sheep. So you're called to make more sheep. And you're, you're, you're called to bring baby sheep into the Lord's pastures. And certainly you're going to help them to get established. And um, the third thing that I want to say this morning that's related to that is really most specifically about those who are called into ministry, uh, people like myself, but it's also about people who are called, sometimes there are people who are given a calling, a certain specific calling, and it may not necessarily be to be a pastor, it could be to some other thing. And there are certain, certainly people who are given promises by the Lord that the Lord has said, I will do this for you, or I'll do that for you. So this third point is for all of you who fit into any of those categories, which would be most people. Most people have been given promises by the Lord. Some people have been given certain callings by the Lord, either to be a pastor or to some other thing. And the third thing that I want to say about all of that, about this whole area of being a shepherd or being given a calling, is to resist the temptation to make it happen. Um, because it's a very, very big temptation. And um, the really obvious example of this in the Bible, and there are many examples of it in the Bible, is Abraham, who was given this promise by the Lord that he would have a son, and he tried a few different ways to make it happen. And if you've been watching my Genesis videos, we've mentioned the few different ways that he's tried. And, um, you know, eventually the Lord did fulfill his promise, but he ended up with the consequences of all these other things that he'd tried that went along with him. And of course, Abraham didn't have the Bible and he didn't have the Ten Commandments. He didn't have a lot, a lot of the things that we have the benefit of having. So we can forgive him for making some of these mistakes, but we've got examples to learn from. But there's someone in the scriptures who did, who was given a promise by the Lord and did resist the temptation to make it happen. And that was King David. King David was told by the Lord that he would be the king. He would be the anointed one. He was even anointed while the other guy was still the king. He even knew that the Lord didn't like the other king. And in a time and period when killing someone else uh, in that situation was completely acceptable, king, you know, people were always bumping off a king so that they could become the king. That was really common practice. And King David refuses to kill King Saul, even though he has two opportunities to do so. 
He refuses to take a hold of the thing that he knows is his. And so he, he allows the Lord to bring it about. And the Lord bring, brought it about in a much better way. And if David had have done that, he would have had the consequences of his behaviour to follow along with him. He would have had the Lord's promise. Yes, he would have been the king, but he would have had the consequences of his behaviour to follow along with him. He would have sowed into his family tree um, death and destruction. You know, like what you reap is what you sow. As it was later in his life, he did some things that weren't godly, and he did sow into his family some trouble. But in regards to the Lord's promise to him, he waited for the Lord to bring it about. And so that's something we should learn this morning when it comes to the Lord's call. We wait for him to bring it about. There are some people that are just itching to do something for God and they know what they want to do for God and they think that God ought to, make the, to, to give them the chance. But you know when you're in school, I don't know about schools today, but when we were in school and they were non-digital and you had no choice but to interact with the teacher... Um, the teacher would ask questions, and there was always a student that was itching with the answer. Sir, pick me, pick me. And the teacher would not pick them. Right? Why is that? I don't know. Sometimes a very smart student who didn't know the answer would do that, so that they wouldn't be picked. Um, well, the Lord, sometimes when people are too anxious to serve the Lord, if they think they're too capable, or they think that, you know, I ought to be a preacher because I've got good things to say, sometimes they just miss out. The Lord goes past them. So when the Lord gives you a promise, don't be too anxious to make it happen, but instead, this is what you do. And I have a scripture for this. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So whatever it is that the Lord has promised you, or whatever it is that the Lord has called you to, let the Lord be the one to put you in that spot. Cast your anxiety on him, so whatever it is that concerns you or worries you. And I'm sure that Abraham had many concerns and worries as the 20 years were elapsing and he still didn't have a son. See, the Lord wasn't in a rush. And I've often wondered about why the Lord's not in a rush, but the Lord has his reasons. And um, it says he cares for you. So whatever it is that you're thinking about the lord's given you a promise and it hasn't come to pass and it's been five years or it's been 12 years or in some cases it's been 50 years and why hasn't the lord done what he said he was going to do just go back to the lord and say lord you know give you all this it's your problem you said that you would do this for me now lord you bring it about in accordance with your will put it back on the lord if he said it it's his responsibility to bring it all about. So those are my three thoughts this morning. Number one, on what feeding sheep is. It's helping people understand, and there are certain people called to that role. But number two, you're also called to at least help some people to feed some sheep. And number three, in whatever God has called you to do, 
whether it's in the ministry or it's not in the ministry or whatever promise God has given to you, humble yourselves that he may bring it about in his perfect time. I'm going to pray for you. I invite the band to come and we're going to close with a song. I'd like to sing that song, Lord, I Look to You. Oh, we are going to have communion. Thank you for reminding me. We switched it around today. We normally have it earlier, so it's so easy to, to bypass that. And um, I have another whole second sheet of paper too. We'll still invite the band to come, and they can come, and, and we'll have a song. And um, this is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 29. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. The cup reminds us that the Lord has forgiven us. Thank God for that. But it also reminds us that we should forgive others. The bread reminds us of the healing that we have through Jesus Christ, that he was broken, that we might be healed. But it also reminds us that we are to work for the healing and the restoration of other people. But the bread also reminds us that we are part of a body and that we are not the body on our own, that we belong to others and we are the the Lord's body together with others. And who are those others? They are those seated around you but it's also believers from other churches. Technically, there aren't other churches. Technically, there is only a church. But there are believers from other congregations all through our city. They are the others that you are one with. So when we eat and drink together, we examine ourselves to make sure we're mindful of the body of Christ, which is the others, God's people. So make sure we have a big heart for them and... um, In the same way that we seek to love the Lord, we seek to love the Lord's people. So Jesus, we thank you for the giving to us of your body and your blood. We thank you for the elements that we hold here this morning. We thank you that we've received grace. We thank you that you poured out your blood for us for our forgiveness, that your, your body was broken for our healing. And I thank you that because your body was broken, we are made one with Christ And because of that, one with each other. So Lord, make us one with the body of Christ. Cause our love for each other to grow. And Lord, let the healing power of Christ be at work in our bodies today as well as in the body of Christ. So Lord, make us yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us eat eat and drink together.
Lord bless you all. Thank you, Chris.